Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to WrestleWolf. This is AEW Weekly. I'm Dr. Damien Gibson, and joining me is the man who only deals in kayfabe. It's Matthew Kayfabe. And uh, this episode of Dynamite really expanded kayfabe in a way that I'm very, very comfortable with. Yeah, man. Um, I... Look, I don't know whether you want to talk about... Do you want, do you want to talk about the MJF uh, Jericho promo now or do you want to wait until we get to it in the episode uh look i think let's let's wait but i think to 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 sort of tease i guess i'm going to suggest this is probably the best episode of dynamite ever uh i think there's a really strong case for that and i think they've been in pretty good form man i think the last sort of since um what was the last pay-per-view that everyone was like that was awful where matt hardy almost died is that double enough? Yeah, there was no. It was it was all out, wasn't it? All out. That's right. Yeah, there was about. There's been about two to three bad episodes of uh, of AEW Nitro, and there's been about um, every other episode's been from pretty good to extremely good, and this was extremely good. The, yeah, this was, this had so much. Um, There's just. For us, like making a podcast, there are some episodes where there's a lot of meat on the bone, and then there's some episodes where it's just sort of like, oh yeah, and then these guys wrestled, and then these girls wrestled, and at the end, and this has a lot for us to talk mm. about. But I, I think because everything is so good, it might just be a case of us going, oh man, that was so good. But anyway, let's get <laughs> let's get into it and see how we go. Uh, the first match we had um, a first round match in the number one contenders tournament that was happening throughout this episode, which I think gave the episode structure Mm. in the sense like you, there was a continuing storyline throughout the whole episode where the majority of the matches actually had some point and purpose to them. I love tournaments. I like, I really like bracketed tournaments in wrestling. Like, it's a lot of fun, even if you know where they're aiming to go. Like, I don't care about swerves at all, but I really like that kind of storytelling that's like, you know, it's like March Madness in basketball, Hmm. Um, the the finals in any sport. Brackets for competition is good storytelling. Yeah. Um, And Wardlow got a win here over Jungle Boy. Which I didn't really know how this match was going to go. I, I 
not, not to be Captain Negative, but we all expect Kenny and, and Hangman Page to be the finalists in this tournament and everyone else is kind of superfluous. But it was interesting for me to see that Wardlow's getting his pish, as a certain um, commentator would say. Yeah, I think, and he looked really good. Um, which was surprised. Like, he just, he looked like a big monster. And I mean, Jungle Boy is mm. very, very good at, Jungle Boy is very, very good at making big guys look really, really strong. Yeah, he sells really well. But I think Wardlow, Wardlow doesn't, he doesn't, um, you know, those kind of big guys. Also, there may be a few JR uh, bad boy uh, soapboxes that I get on throughout the course of the night. This was one of them where he started talking about how a certain other company may be interested in a talent like Wardlow because he's an athletic big man. I just like literally out loud was like, who gives a fuck what WWF thinks? What are you doing? Why are you even bringing them up? Anyway, well, you're just assuming he was talking about WWF. He of was probably he was talking, talking about, about NWA. WWF. <laughs> NWA. <Ring of> Honor. <laughs> NWA hire big guys in the other sense of large husky gentlemen. There's a lot of uh, <laughs> there's a lot of big boys on NWA power when it comes back. Um. Anyway, I, I just, just like, what are you even talking about, you crazy old fuck? Shut up. <laughs> um, but I was happy to see Wardlow get a win. And I'm yeah, interested to see where that goes. We do have that underlying underlying storyline of MJF versus Wardlow at some point, which I don't think is happening anytime soon, but this helps with that, no. right? Yeah, absolutely. And like, I, he's a good sort of, you know, card to have in the top pocket for a while hmm. and you know maybe he becomes batista in a few years who knows yeah he could i mean I, I see what the bad boy is saying is that like you know he he's got all the all the tools and and what i was going to say before i went on a rant about the bad boy is that those big guys can look great hmm. and they did sort of like they did sort of protect him a little bit but he's not a um Who's a bad big guy? He's not a yeti, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I like that uh, the the first one you could think of was twenty five years ago. Briefly, well, on Nitro. I didn't want to. I'd like you know. I feel like if you say, let's say you say Nathan Kevin, Jones. Well, I was going to say Kevin Nash, right? Let's say you say Kevin uh, Nash. Then see, you already your face went then went oh. <laughs> so I I wanted something definitive, you know. You can't you can't say Kevin Nash is bad. Kevin Nash is average in the ring and uh according to Bob Backlund, deeply dangerous. But uh you know anyway, let's not talk. We we have another podcast where we're gonna be spending a lot of time talking about Kevin Nash. Um I think the thing about Wardlow as well is that at some point he has a ready because he's so perfectly manicured, like his beard is perfect, mm. his hair's perfect. He's going to be a Jim fuckwit character, and that could be a really good character. Like, almost like yeah. Randy Orton has that a very similar character. Oh, for sure. Like, just sort of yeah. big, tough jackass. Yeah, he's got a heel written all over him. And mm. um, I'm sure he's learning quite a bit from young Maxwell as well, mm. doing all those promos together. But anyway, we'll get to him in a bit. Uh, <laughs> next up, we had... Uh, so last week ended with Eddie Kingston and the Kingston Five um, 
choking out John Moxley and showing him the belt and uh, Kingston sort of screaming like, I didn't tap out, I didn't tap out. And there was more to that that we didn't see and it happened after Dynamite went off air and we got to see that mm. um, tonight where Eddie Kingston did a very Eddie Kingston promo in the sense of like, you sold out, John, like, you know, we were, we were mm. brothers and... Um, all that kind of Eddie Kingston business where you sold out and you met your pretty wife. I love how Renee gets a compliment in this though, you know, like I was waiting for, I was waiting for Eddie to say something like, and she's a whore or something awful like that. And it was like, no, just you met your beautiful, wonderful wife, but you're a fucking sellout. <laughs> I like that. It was a nice little flourish, um, which set up, the next promo, which is John Moxley's sort of reply to that, and uh, I, this might be an episode of big calls, but I feel like this is the, uh, this may be the best promo that Mox has done since he's been in, in the company. It feels like there's something real to this, and it maybe it's the like the history of friendship between these two, and they work really well together. Maybe there's some realness behind this these promos, <laughs> like, um, but it's that. It's that realness that is really drawing me in and I'm loving every second of this. I would say this is the best promo John Moxley has cut in any of his forms since he was CZW champion and cut a promo about how he's not used to having a target on him and how he's going to, like, assimilate the title into his blood and uh, <laughs> they'll have to, you know, kill him to get it out. Uh, this was awesome. This was so good. Like, yes, I want to see Eddie Kingston kick the shit out of John Moxley and win because I like I don't know how Eddie Kingston can say I quit. Like I, mm. I feel like like Lance Archer can lose to John Moxley. Um MJF could lose to John Moxley. Uh Brian Cage, uh, to a lesser extent, could lose to John Moxley. But like Eddie Kingston's whole character is that and that's what makes this so exciting, is that he probably is gonna lose. But like it's gonna be, it's gonna be so much more meaningful than just losing a title shot or anything like that. He is his whole character is built around not quitting, and it's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, I, I I really like. So at the end of this uh, promo, where Mox basically says, "Like this is personal now," mm. um, which you know, kind of like. It was great. Just watch it. I was going to say, like, that's mm. kind of all of Mox's promos, but th this this one is, is fantastic. Um, it gets announced that at full gear there will be an I Quit match for the AEW World Championship. And the good thing about this is, like, obviously the this hasn't been a six-month planned match or feud, um, and very clearly that they've been able to be a bit nimble and be like, hey, well, this is Eddie Kingston's character and, like, this is sort of John Moxley's character and this is how the feud's going, so this would be the match that made sense. It's not like, ooh, actually, it's November, which is uh, time for WWE I Quit. Uh, so we've got to have six <laughs> I Quit matches. So it's just all of a sudden, um, you know, every, every second character has a refusal to quit. Uh it's just it's cool that they're not like shackled by and it makes the gimmicks feel so important like when they do use a cage or that kind of stuff it's like oh shit this is like not just something jammed in because they've they've got to do that every year at um you know WWE cage fight oh i know it's called hell in a cell <laughs> um 
but I just think it's great. Like, I just think it's an example of the fact that, you know, full gear isn't anything, therefore it can be anything. Yeah, that's that's what I would, just to follow on to that point. It's actually easier from a storytelling point of view to not have those kind of things. Yeah, and mm. you're not, because you're not trapping yourself into like, oh, well, you know, the Fiend and Roman Reigns feud has all been centered around, fuck, I don't know, Alexa Bliss, but we're going to have a Hell in a Cell match because it's December and that's what we do. Like, mm. um, you know, it would make much more sense to have an Alexa Bliss on a pole match. Um, well, and the fact that, you know, the Fiend is a magical creature who teleports all over the place and like, oh, let's, let's put a bit of a cell in him and, and put a ring of salt around the cell so he can't <laughs> teleport out. See, the it. ring of salt, that's good. I like that. That's not, that's, that's something. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll write that to. <laughs> all right. Hang team. on. Let's pause the podcast so we write to Vince again. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, this this is uh, something to really look forward to and um, there there's more to, to this feud coming up. Uh, but Mox, this is Mox's part and, and he knocks it out of the park. Uh, in the meantime, we get a second match for the number one contender tournament, uh, Sunny Kiss versus Kenny Omega. And um, I feel like you should do the majority of the talking about this because you've been calling for this version of Kenny Omega to be in AEW basically since Dynamite started. And we got the cleaner. We got cleaner Kenny Omega. Are you excited? Are you happy? Or We knew it was going to be the cleaner because he got his sixth theme song change and there were two scantily clad women with brooms cleaning as they <laughs> oh, are. I did love that. Uh, it was great. It was the most, and his theme now sounds like something from Tron, which is yeah. just perfect for like who he is um, as a character. Him coming in and just, you know, like it's a shame because I like Sunny Kiss and like, but also given what this character, this version of Kenny Omega is going to be, I don't think this buries Sunny Kiss because Kenny Omega's about to go do the exact same thing. Uh, to whoever he ends yeah, up facing. Absolutely, no, absolutely. No, I didn't even think of. I, I didn't think that at all. Um, I mean, it was... He go- beats him in 30 seconds, is the... Yeah, he got... I mean, it's a squash match, yeah. Points to his wrist to have his hand held up by the referee, like he's bored by the whole thing. It's just fantastic. Yeah, the the face on him when he was, like, counting the pin mm. is so... I mean, this is... Um, I know a lot of people who listen will, will love the Elite and, you know... But for me personally, I didn't really know much of their New Japan stuff. And so AEW is how I've got to know them. And they've all been kind of baby faces so far. Mm. And the whole time, and anyone who's listened to the podcast knows how I feel about the Young Bucks, uh, they all should be heels. Uh, maybe, mm. I mean, Cody's very good at being a baby face. But yeah. um, it just immediately, for me, seeing Kenny Omega come out like this last night, I was like, oh, Okay, fuck. I get, I get it. I get what, mm. like, he, I mean, it's it's been a slow build, and I've liked it more and more. But like that entrance, <laughs> like it's tongue in cheek, but it's also makes you really want to hate him. You know, um, the way that he pins Sunny Kiss, the the sort of fake sportsmanship afterwards, like it, it's mm. great. And um, you know, if you set up a feud between like moxley and and this version of kenny omega it could make aew the number one uh you know wrestling uh 
Why can I not think of English words? Company <laughs> um, going around. Well, I think this, you know, I think we're probably going towards Hangman Kenny in the finals. That's my hot take. Uh, you know, there, there's a chance that, you know, maybe Hangman gets trucked and it's Kenny someone else, but I'm almost certain that it's going to be, from a storytelling perspective, Hangman Kenny, and then Kenny's going to win. And then Moxley obviously has already faced Kenny, but not this version of Kenny. Like, it's time for the killer at the ace of AEW to just, you know, come in and beat Moxley in a meaningful manner and then be this a massive, massive star because um, Moxley doesn't need the title at this point. Um, you know, it, 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 it is the most meaningful uh, outcome of Moxley's reign would be losing to, like, because really, like, it's not holding the title it's who you lose to is is a really important element of of your reign, um, and you know Kenny Omega is about as over as you can be among wrestling fans, and still probably not totally no- a known quantity. Um, hmm. And once people see how great he can be, like they could just have a a year where he's just having incredible matches and being an incredible character. And you know that that would be awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to seeing more of this. I, I loved it. Um, yeah, Meltz is right. New Japan's right. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I never disagreed with any of it. I was kind of like, I just want to see it. I don't think I've seen it yet. And I think last night was the first sort of real mm. punch in the face moment where it's like, oh, okay, cool. Um, I get what you what all you fucking smarks are talking about. Um, <laughs> Next up, we had an Orange Cassidy promo um, where uh, he gets told that he'll be facing Cody Rhodes, uh, sorry, Cody, uh, again uh, in two weeks. Now, is this a full gear or just on Dynamite? It's just on This Dynamite. is Dynamite. Okay. Yeah. Um, because uh, Orange Cassidy should have won the week before and lost by one second in a 20-minute <laughs> timeout. This is what we we did discuss this last week, and you sort of said, "Look, this, uh, you know, you, you you were not pro the Orange Cassidy losing by a second, and I was. No, I wasn't. Uh, I, only not necessarily the story, like not necessarily that tiny, like that bit of the story, just in the sense of like I feel like Orange Cassidy is losing a bit, and I and I don't quite understand why you would be doing that when he seems to be the most over person." in the company, it was just me being a bit, you know, <laughs> mopey. Well, uh, <laughs> I, do, do you feel better about it now? Yeah, I do, 100%, because I'm getting what I want. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so there's some honesty for you. No, I mean, of course, like, I, I mean, you get to see these guys wrestle again, um, and they put on a really good match last week. I probably... I was, there was some things going on in my personal life that, you know, I was probably a bit down and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I want to see these guys wrestle again. Um, I also, on the back of, so we got this uh, Orange Cassidy promo where he basically said, whatever. Um, and uh, Cody, did, that you we just, get- did you just quote Liam Lynch? Whatever. 
Um, <laughs> uh, that should be his entrance music. <laughs> that would be cool. It's too it's too upbeat for Orange Cassie. He he, need, <laughs> he needs some grindcore. I think he should come out to like Towns Van Zant, but that's yeah. You know, I think that yeah. For I was actually them. he should yeah he hundred percent should be like <laughs> some folk. <laughs> um, Orange Cassidy's promo was followed immediately by Cody's, where Cody is doing he's kind of like a I don't know jock type thing. Like um, uh, it's Dasha, yeah the interviewer. Da- I'm pretty sure know, it's sorry. Dasha because um, I've. I've uh, yeah, it is. I've got a slight crush on her. Um, uh, is that all right to say? Am I going to get cancelled? Anyway, um, I think that's fine, isn't it? To say you've got a crush on someone? No? You're uh, no, no. Are we cancelled? All right, I'm sorry. No, Dasha, no, you're, you're cancelled. I don't have a crush on Dasha. <laughs> okay, I'm taking it back. I don't have a crush on Dasha. It was a joke. It was a joke. It's parody. All this is parody. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> she mentions that Cody's put on... Uh, a fair amount of weight, about 13 kilos in our speak. I don't know what that is in American speak. Or maybe it was 13 pound, which is seven kilos. Anyway, either way, uh, it's a bit of muscle. And um, Arn Anderson starts throwing some uh, cool lingo in there where he's like, Cody's got all swalt up. And I was like, what the fuck is going on here, Arn Anderson? What did you think about Arn Anderson in shorts <laughs> trying to get out of a limo? <laughs> It was like, Arn, you must have been in more limos than anyone other than Ric Flair. But no, yeah, I know. One, how do you not know how to get out of a limousine? And two, <laughs> shorts, but then uh, <laughs> a short sleeve business shirt with a with a woolen, uh, you know, sleeveless knit over the top. <laughs> it's like, uh, that is... Uh, I don't know what is going on with those fashion choices, but I do That's not like That's the four them. horsemen. Um, <laughs> anyway, essentially, Cody says, look, you know, I'll I'll wrestle uh, OC again because, you know, Tony has told me to, but I, you know, he couldn't get the win the first time and I don't see him getting the win the second time. And I don't know if, like, it's just a very sort of, like, just glimpses of heelishness from Cody that I don't know if we'll ever get a full heel turn from him or... Whether he is going to turn heel in this storyline with Orange Cassie, what do you think? Uh, I think we definitely will at some point get a full heel turn because I think because Cody will want to do that because he just seems to enjoy being a wrestler and doing mm. all the different things that he watched as a kid. Um, and there, he, he will just be a jackass heel at some point, but they definitely don't need him to be right now. Because um, they've got enough heels, they're yeah. they're few on faces and and, and high on heels. Um, hmm. That's that's a mix. They're low on faces and high on heels, or few on faces or men, and many on heels. Don't write in. Um, I know I'm an idiot. Um, Keep going. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go make a cup of tea. <laughs> all right. Yes. Cool. So anyway, you're many on. Well, when you're talking about numbers of people, anyway. I'm, Confusing myself. Uh, yes, I think Cody will be a heel one day. Was that the question? <laughs> yeah, cool. Good. <laughs> uh, anyway, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, if it's a face versus face match, then I we all want Orange Cassidy to win, and that's the end of that conversation. I'm not letting Matt say anything. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it'll be good. And I've got a you know, I just... 
my only thing has been like just I've just seen it happen in the other company before where someone is over. I mean, Rusev is a great example of this, where someone is over and they they keep sort of pushing how long they can let someone that is a crowd favourite lose and then eventually they sort of lose that luster and then the company goes, oh, see, they're not even over. Like, yeah, but you didn't. <laughs> you know, I don't think I trust AEW enough to, to not do that to Orange Cassidy, but I just, there's a fear in me that the guys don't think that he's a top, top of the card talent. Well, we don't know if he is yet, but we'll see. Um, I think they programmed him in a like two month, three month feud with Chris Jericho where he came out on top, uh, probably because they thought he might be good at wrestling. And now he's uh, in a feud with Cody Rhodes. Um, I, I, I don't think this is a Rusev like, oh, we're going to have you uh, rub hot sauce on your testicles today. <laughs> no, I don't think FDR, it would be believe, done. In but- a, I don't think it would be done in an evil Vince McMahon way. I just mean in a way where they kind of drop the ball on him. That's all I mean. But uh, look. I mean, they're, they're, if they're dropping the ball on anyone at the moment, I don't think Orange Cassidy's it. Like no, he's, still, he's still young. <clears throat> no, it's Wars. That's who they're dropping the ball on. But anyway, oh, I was I was thinking um, of uh, of of our of our friend uh, Rusev, uh, <laughs> who is in the worst storyline in AEW at the moment. But anyway, who who are you talking about? Uh, Miro. He played. Oh, Miro. Uh, right. Okay. Yes. Now I know who you're talking about. He used to be who- called Rusev, but he went to. He was Russian. Then obviously found out his real parents. So see, because I live in Kayfabe, I figure out the blanks. So he must have found his birth certificate. Uh, actually, found out he's Bulgarian. He was Bulgarian uh, which, first, and then Russian, and then Bulgarian again. Yeah, but he was only pretending to be Bulgarian because he was scared that people were racist. Uh, like Americans had bad feelings towards Russians and he didn't want to be racially profiled. Right. But then he was like, actually, no, like, you know, I'm going to be me. And then he realised what he was. Which, I mean, it's lucky due to the fact that he does have the Bulgarian flag tattooed on him. This is going to be a bad podcast. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm loving it. Uh, next up, we had uh, hmm. Eddie Kingston, uh, his second promo of the night, but the first new one, if that makes sense. And again, he what? First of all, he picks up uh, Ray Phoenix, and I'm not going to get this right. Penta El Sera M M El Penta El Zero M Penta El Zero M. Okay, it's Pentagon Junior. Yeah, Pentagon Junior. So that's what I. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he picks up both of those guys, and then basically just goes to town on John uh, Moxley in the <laughs> verbally. Uh, saying that, uh, you know, you're a sellout. Just to be and- clear with what Damien's saying, he did not have sex with John Moxley during <laughs> this promo. <laughs> what is going on? Um, this is what happens when we record straight after work on Friday. Um, look, I mean, I-, I could try and recount this word for word, but I would do a terrible job. It's just a continuation of everything that we've already said about Mox and Eddie Kingston in this promo. I, th- I think, I mean, 
I did notice he's wearing some like a new basketball singlet and he's got a new baseball cap, maybe a few of those AW dollars have rolled in. He's got a few more rosary beads around the neck. <laughs> well, I mean he's wearing he is wearing a Carmelo Anthony New York Knicks jersey, which Carmelo Anthony hasn't played for the New York Knicks for some time. Um so I think he's wearing it's a new old jersey. Yeah, well that's what I was gonna say. I mean, like, I've got a brand new Brett the Hitman Hart t shirt on and he hasn't wrestled for a bit. I mean, the the difference is Carmelo Anthony plays for another team, and he's played for like six teams in between playing for the Knicks. Right. Anyway, we're we're falling down so many different rabbit holes. Following on from uh, Eddie's promo, we got what I think was the match of the night in Ray Phoenix versus. I'm just going to say Pentagon Jr. No, I should get used to saying his proper say name. Penta. Penta. Uh, what am I saying? Is is it what? Penta L zero M. L0M, okay. Um, oh God, I sound like such an old man, old bogan racist man. What? What is his name again, Matt? Tell me. Uh, anyway, let's go with Penta. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to point out that Eddie Kingston calls out JR on commentary again, <laughs> and I, I just love it. I just love it so much. And he like, you, he just wormed back into his little hole, didn't say anything for a bit. And then came back and was basically like, oh, you know, I wasn't trying to say this thing to Eddie. And Eddie was like, whatever, JR. I loved it. Agreed. It was really good. And this match was phenomenal. Yeah, I was going to say, on the positive side, Ray Phoenix did a 720 corkscrew off the top rope uh, into, into Penta. I mean, standing start. I don't, I don't quite understand how he how he does these things but the yeah, they built inhuman. up they built up the brother angle here really well um there was there was some brutality here but some beauty as well with the rope work of of ray phoenix uh, i i just i just loved every every second of this and ray phoenix won so and leading us to ray phoenix versus kenny omega which is gonna be sick next we got a colt cabana and dark Dark Order promo. There's this sort of continuing storyline of like Colcabana is now the black sheep of the Dark Order, even though they went after him really hard. Um, I don't, I don't care about the storyline at all. I just like to see John Silver, who I think is hilarious. Yeah, uh, like I mean, he is hilarious. He also does a very good job of being a heel because I want to slap his face real bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I really, I mean, everyone who listens to the show knows that I really like Cole Cabana uh, because of his uh, on-again, off-again friendship with a certain other wrestler. And um, and I also like him as well. But I just don't, I don't know. Where's this story go? Like, where does Cole Cabana go with this story? Nowhere that interests me. Yeah. I just don't, I don't see a, I don't, like... The only the only thing that can happen is that he ends up out of the dark order, right? But will anyone care? I just don't. I mean, I don't care about him in the dark order, so the likelihood of me caring about him out of the dark order is pretty pretty low. Did you ever run in with Cole Cabana once or something? You've got like a you <laughs> really low opinion of him. Yeah, well, I just you know I just I I, I like I enjoy him. I've enjoyed him previously as a very small character. Um, you know, the match that we're about to have, um, Colt Cabana, Adam Page, 
I just think 40-year-old Colt Cabana might not really be able to go anymore. Yeah. Like, I think that's you fair. know, certainly not in a singles match. Like, he's a big dude as well physically. Like, it's a lot of, lot of you know, he's a he's a former Christian Wrestling Alliance, Alliance heavyweight champion. And, like, you know, I think he can retire and go into their Hall of Fame for all I care. <laughs> Yeah, I think Cole can be a um, a really meaningful addition to AEW, but I don't know whether that is in being a wrestler so much. I think maybe on commentary, maybe as a as a valet or a, a manager. Um, yeah, I mean, I know someone that I would get off commentary and put Cole Cabana in his place. So, Tony Schiavone. Oh, no, I like Tony Schiavone. I think he's really good. No, I'm joking. It's the bad boy. Um, <laughs> he's just, he's just got to go. He's got to go. Uh, Hangman Page won this match. There's not really much to write home about, as we've always, as we've always, <laughs> as we've always covered with Cold Cabana. It's a kind of meh match. Um, yeah. Anything you want to add about this one? No, like it, this probably would have been better if it was a minute or two shorter. Like it, from a t- storytelling perspective, like maybe it would be nice to see Paige and Hang, um, uh, Hangman and uh, Kenny clean their way through the rest of the competition and then have an absolute belter. Nothing exciting happened. And also really Hangman should be facing heels, not faces at this point because he's still building and he's going to be a great mm-hmm. face. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. Let's let's just keep him against heels. You write the show. You can do whatever you want. That's true. Uh, next up, it's MJF and Chris Jericho. In, I don't even know how to start talking about this promo. Do you want to? <laughs> do you want to try and have a go? Um, I this is uh a wrestling promo as written by Cole Porter and it's amazing like it is it is essentially like D lovely uh you know it's fantastic it's it is bizarre also Chris Jericho as as he starts to sing and dance uh looks more puffed out and sweaty than he has ever looked in a wrestling <laughs> ring <laughs> Uh, my, uh, this is one of these things that will be a, it'll be a touchstone, um, for an entire audience for decades. Like this will be something that will be, whether you loved or hated it, I, the majority of the stuff that I saw was love. Um, I'm sure there's some people who like, you know, Jim Cornette. Jim Cornette would have hated this, <laughs> and good because oh fuck God. him. Um, but uh, MJF can sing a little bit. He uh, and Chris Jericho's voice does not suit Cole Porter. That's what. No. Uh, like, <laughs> he needs to just be doing his Sebastian Bach impersonation. Yeah. Oh, don't bring up Sebastian Bach with Chris Jericho. They they got beef. <laughs> I think. Do you that's know about this? Yes. Uh, but I think that's pretend. Is Sebastian Bach the come on, feel the noise person? Uh, no, that's Slade. He's, um, isn't that 
Twisted Sister, Sebastian Bach. We're not gonna take it. Oh, God. Sebastian Bach sucks. <laughs> um, I actually saw Sebastian Bach play with Guns, uh, play with Guns and Roses uh, when Buckethead was uh, in oh, Guns and Roses. And the Guns and Roses, so Sebastian Bach played, and I was like, oh, Sebastian Bach sucks, but at least he's excited to be here. And the way the Guns N' Roses set went was they played one of their classic hits and people were like, oh, this is exciting, sweet child of mine. This is the song I like. Then they played a new song off Chinese Democracy, which was not released yet. So people were like, okay. And then everyone would leave the stage so maybe someone in the band could do illicit drugs while one member of the band stayed on stage and, like, played the rhythm guitar to Back in Black or the piano to Angie by the Rolling Stones. And then they would just repeat that formula for... And I was like, wow, I saw Guns N' Roses and Sebastian Bach was better than them. (laughs) Um, Yeah, this is a promo where if you haven't seen it, go and see it. And, and I mean... I would assume that you're an AEW watcher if if you're listening to this podcast. Um, tell, like, share it with people. You know what I mean? Like, get more people watching AEW because, I mean, this is a huge risk for a TV show to take. I mean, like, the trust that Tony Khan has in Chris Jericho and probably to a slightly lesser extent MJF is huge. And, I mean, he knows he's always going to get something good, but... When you allow someone like Chris to, to have full... Well, we don't know for sure whose idea this was, but I assume mm. it's Chris Jericho's. There um, were some real Chris Jericho moments in it as well. It's just it's not worth speaking about in, in no. like a detailed way. Like you, you just can't have to do go justice. watch it. You just can't do it justice. Uh, the, even the, uh, you know, wait up at the end of the promo. It just it felt like a Road 2 movie with Bing Crosby and... Bob Hope kind of thing, or Stewie and Brian from The Family Guy, if you guys are a younger demographic. Um, but th- those Family Guy episodes are based on classic movies. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's no point in saying anything else about this. Just go and watch it. And it just, like, it, if Chris Jericho isn't the GOAT, I don't I don't know who, it, well, Brett the Hitman Hart. But then after that, I don't know who... I don't know. Anyway, that's a whole other conversation that we... Well, it's certainly not Brett the Hitman Heart. <laughs> Can you imagine Brett the Hitman Heart doing this? Brett just complains uh, about how wrestling's real and how uh, he didn't win a match in Montreal 25 years ago. Like, fuck Brett. Brett hey, sucks, man. Hey, hey, hey. You fucking punk rocker. <laughs> yep, I'm just like Axel With your blonde, Rotten. You blonde, your blonde mullet and you sexy boy paraphernalia i'm i was going for a more nasty boys kind of punk but okay i'm happy with i'm i'd rather be sean michael michaels than one I just, of the nasty yeah boys. i know that's what I, I thought you like we always had this brett sean thing this is like one of the first conversations we had was that yeah because like sean michael's a really really good wrestler and promo um maker and has wrestled for a long time and mm-hmm. you know put numerous people over in fascinating ways and Brett Hart uh, is a piece of shit. Um, I think with- I think you're getting that. I think you're getting that confused. Nope, I'm not. It was Shawn Michaels put The Undertaker over uh, and Ric Flair, what a champ. Hey, he put Triple H over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he did. He did put a young down and out wrestler over forever. 
Thanks, Sean. <laughs> now we've got King Hunter in charge of everything. Thanks a lot. Brett Hart anyway. had two good matches and one of them with, oh, was with Sean Michaels. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of them was with Sean Michaels. That's true. I mean, they did have good matches together. One of his two good matches. Um, you're right. Fucking two good matches. Anyway, let's stop talking about this. We should have a Brett versus Sean debate on the on the channel at some point. Yeah, that would be embarrassing. Me. That would be like having a <laughs> having a. You're like, I think Gish is the best Smashing Pumpkins album, and I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure it's Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, friend. And then you're like, well, we're going to have a debate on it. You're like, I am one. <laughs> very good song. It is a very good song, but I agree with you. I'm with Melancholy. Anyway, Britt Baker is next, and um, she comes out and wrestles. I, look, I, I'll be honest. I didn't write a name down. I've just written Britt Baker wins. It's nice to have her back. They're my notes for this match. <laughs> yeah, it's great. She also looks way better in the ring now. Um, like, you reckon she, that, she's been doing some extra work? I suspect she has been. Um, there was yeah. one particular. There was there was a couple of moves, but there was one particular. Uh, you know, essentially rock bottoming. bottoming uh, her opponent into the turnbuckle was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Um, I just want to, like, I know she's going to have a few warm-up matches and get the ring rust out and stuff, but I just want to, I just wanted to take the belt off Sheeta. Yep. <laughs> I just want that so bad. Yep. And, um, yeah, and then we go, then we go from there. Um, I feel bad because I do love Sheeta and I was a big cheerleader for her early on, but I, I think we've, I've 100% gotten to the point where there isn't really anything else that Sheeta can do that she hasn't already done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel really bad saying that, but anyway. But I, th- I think the reality is, like, you know, the the bunny's back with Butcher and Blade and Eddie Kingston, so, like, the bunny should hopefully have some solo uh, matches. There's some, there's some good yeah. female wrestling talent that can also sort of carry storylines and, and be part of other oh, storylines. Sure. Yeah, you know. yeah, definitely. And the sort of at the moment, you know, the women's division does sort of exist outside of the rest of AEW. So hopefully that changes. We're at your main event, are we? Have I missed something? We are. No, no, no. This is no, this no, is it. Are. It's complete. You know that that sickening feeling where you feel like you've <laughs> completely <laughs> fucked something up. Um, that's my whole life. Oh, you mean this whole podcast? <laughs> So we've got a, a number one contender match for the tag team titles, and it's the Young Bucks versus us, Butcher and the Blade, Private Party, and Dark Order, um, or the Dark Order. Um, look, this I, I enjoyed this match. There were a few little bits and pieces storyline that the story wise that happened. Uh, they mentioned that QT Marshall has broken up with. Um, whatever her name was beforehand and is now the bunny again uh which is just so much better it just looks better better. it's just like let's break up the nightmare family or collective or whatever they're called and let's never see qt marshall ever again it actually made me a bit happy to see him look so upset Mm. and um (laughs) which makes me an awful person but it did and um and i'm happy for our boys butcher and the blade i just want to give a shout out for ftr on commentary almost immediately talking about how good looking the butcher is uh and keeping that up throughout the uh commentary that i i very much like i always liked uh ftr um in in any company that they've been in but i'm really 
really starting to like them quite a bit. Yeah, this was this the this was thirty minutes of the best tag teams, tag team divisions in the world, uh, just going at it, and it was deeply enjoyable. The Young Bucks yeah. won, which you know, whatever, um, and yeah, it's just like it's quite fun. Like Private Party had a another sort of good mediocre, like a B plus showing. Uh, Butcher and Blade were did exactly what they needed to do perfectly as they consistently do, and John Silver's great. With this tiny they little are muscle actually, uh, yeah, John Silver and do we know the other guy's name off the top of our head? Alex Reynolds. Yeah, Alex Reynolds. They're a good tag team, man. But they're good wrestlers. Like they're highly entertaining. They they pull off fantastic moves. Um, this was. There was a moment watching this match where I was like, God, I love tag team wrestling. Not not to parrot FTR or anything like that, but I do. I've spoken about it on both podcasts and, and growing up with, you know, being an old man, growing up with rock and roll wrestling and stuff, tag team wrestling was a big deal. I mean, my love for Bret Hart comes from the Hart Foundation more than anything, really. When he was being carried and- by Jim Neidhart. <laughs> <laughs> You want a controversial opinion? There you go. That's a very controversial opinion. Dude, hey, Jim's great. <laughs> he's great. He's not great, but he's very good. <laughs> Certainly better than... Uh... No one could stroke a giant goatee and go, <laughs> better than Jim Anvil's uh, Nine Heart. Yes, agreed. I'm looking at you, Someone else who has the same thing. <laughs> I couldn't think. Of, I was like, a wrestler will come to me that also has a goatee, but I could. I could oh, Captain Lou, uh, whatever his name is. <laughs> I like your real contemporary references in this episode of Dynamite. There's a network. Look it up. You know what I mean. He's in the Cindy Lauper film clip. Anyway, it's Captain Lou. <laughs> He's in, I love how I say, in the Cindy Lauper film clip. Like, it's the time number after one time. song in the charts right now. <laughs> He's in that pop song film clip, you know, the one that all the kids love. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Young Bucks get the win. FTR come down. Uh, they they offer them a beer. I feel like this gimmick's a little bit stale. But anyway, the Bucks knock it out of their hands. Um and then FTR just go mental, beat the shit out of the Young Bucks, and I love every second of this. Then we get a masked-up Tully who does a... <laughs> I was so scared this was going to be Sean Spears. Oh, really? No, you could tell it was Tully immediately. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> anyway, Tully did a bloody axe handle off the second rope. It's outrageous. It was so great. good. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, FTR broke Matt Jackson's leg, and I loved it. I loved every second of it. Uh, I would pay good money to watch people break <laughs> Matt Jackson's legs every week. I'm going to agree with you. It was enjoyable. It was, uh, um, it was it was very very funny, and then it, it ended, and it was a really really great episode. Well, I, th- I just quickly like on a slightly serious note, I, I was a bit disappointed that the Bucks won that easily and I was a bit like oh really they're giving this match away on on full gear like that's 
I'm well, surprised. they're giving, giving like, it away like, to the people that pay $30 to... No, but I mean in the sense of, like, there won't be a crowd there and it won't... You know, like, this is a big fuck-off match that people have been waiting for for a long time and it was kind of like, you could quite easily stretch this out for another 6, 12 months, I reckon, um, before you actually give people that match. Um, and I think it deserves to be in front of a crowd, right? Like... I mean, I don't. I also don't want people to die of COVID to go watch wrestling. But I'm just saying, like, if there's a chance that it can be done in front of a live audience, then it's probably worth holding off on. And then this broken leg part of the story came along, and I was like, ah, oh, okay, mm. cool. I, I don't think they're going to go ahead with this match this early on. You don't think? I don't think so. Because Excalibur said right at the end there is like, well, the Bucks are even going to be ready to. Are they even going to be able to compete at full gear? And it's like, well, obviously not Excalibur because you've <laughs> you've just given it away. Um, but I have been swerved by Tony in the past, so who knows? Who knows? And and I just want to quickly go through next week before we wrap up because it's a yeah. hell of a card. Um, Abaddon versus Tay Conte. Uh, Abaddon is an exciting wrestler that I'm looking forward to seeing more of. Particularly yeah, against someone that. like Britt Baker. Like, that could be a really interesting, <laughs> funny feud. For sure. Kenny Omega versus Ray Fenix for in the Eliminator match. Is Dave Meltzer already getting his star stamp out? Yes. I think he's already made up his mind that it's a five-star match. He is going to, <laughs> in your words, go to town on this match. Uh, uh, Hangman Page versus Wardlow. Uh, in the other Eliminator match. I'm into that. And uh, Cody versus Orange Cassidy for the AEW TNT Championship in a Lumberjack match. Oh, I missed that it was a Lumberjack match, but that's cool. Because the Dark Order threatened to be there. So it's to stop them from doing silliness. That's another great example of using a stipulation to help the story. And I look forward to uh, AEW Lumberjack, uh, the next pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Fuck, eight, eight Lumberjack matches. <laughs> 700 men, uh, three different yeah, rings. Exactly. Um, sorry, now I'm getting to World War Three. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, that's WCW. We've got 700,000 million <laughs> tons of muscle... <laughs> In these rings. Uh, Cool. We can wrap that up there, man. All right. I'm sorry to our listeners for this podcast. No, it's a good one. They love it. And there's more of them all the time. And I want to thank you for that. Uh, We, if you want to follow us on the social medias that uh, Matt and I are always on, uh, you can follow us on at WrestleWolf at Facebook, at WrestleWolfPod on uh, Twitter and Insta. Uh, we have a website, which, funnily enough, is called WrestleWolf.com. Um, or you can send us an email at WrestleWolfPodcast uh, at gmail.com. Got that? Good. Um, if you can rate and review us uh, wherever you can, but most importantly, sort of like Apple. If you do it on Apple, that'd be great. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever they're called now. That helps with Al Gore's rhythms. Um, and tell your friends. That seems to be what most of you are doing. And... Um, we, we really do appreciate it. There's people listening in Canada now. Um, we're like, a, we're like a, a cancer. We've moved our way from 
the West States of America, across the East, and now up into Canada. And that's the way you should think about us, is like a growth that you should get checked out by a doctor. Yes. (laughs) Thanks for listening, brother friends. We'll see you next week, brother friends.